good morning. My church family, my friends, anybody who's watching this, my name is Brian. It's really good to be with you wherever you are, whenever you're watching. And I'm part of Highland Park Christian Church. And we've been studying through this incredible letter, the book of 2 Thessalonians. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We've been asking you to practice the three C's from 2 Thessalonians, where we learn to commend, to encourage, and to lift up those around us and other people. Number two, to comfort. We comfort others. We comfort those who mourn, comfort those who are in a difficult time. And then today we want to talk about how we challenge other people. We, we aren't mean to them. We don't talk down to them, but we challenge them to grow and to especially do one big thing. We challenge them to stand firm. And all three of these C's, commend, comfort, and challenge. You see, God is already doing that with us. He's commending us. He's comforting us and he's challenging us. And we can take that, those same three C's and apply them to our friendships, our relationships, to people we know. We want to challenge, comfort, and, or I'm sorry, commend, comfort, and challenge. In fact, we want to make sure you have those three C's in your mind. So if you are with anybody else, and if you're not, you can just say it out loud where you are. Those, let's review the three C's. Turn to somebody else in the room where you're watching and let's say the three C's. Ready? Commend, comfort, challenge. Let's do it again. Commend, comfort, challenge. All right. So today we want to challenge you to challenge one another, to listen to God's challenge, to stand firm. When I think about standing firm, kind of have this picture of being in rushing water. Have you ever been to the Arkansas River just uh, here in Tulsa? If you go near the, the old pedestrian bridge, the one that they're going to knock down and rebuild at some point, um, if you go there, especially after it's rained a little bit, the, the water really flows fast. In fact, on the west side of the river, a place where I like to go jog or walk or hike, it's, it's really beautiful over there and the water really rushes uh, really fast through that area. In fact, I've been amazed to see there's oftentimes fishermen out there and they've got like the really big deep sea fishing poles. Uh, that they'll throw in there, uh, they'll throw the lure in there, and they're catching these big old fish that like to come up to the rapids. But there's also been some terrible stories that have happened right around there, where somebody who was fishing started walking out in the river, and they got out a little bit too far, and the river swept them away. Now, rushing water is pretty dangerous. You have to be really careful and cautious and most people are, but a few people have not been. They've gotten right out there where they should have never been. As for me, I don't get out there at all. I'm not much of a fisherman, but I just enjoy watching the water move. But if for some reason I had to get out there in that water, maybe to help somebody else, I would want to find a rock or something that was really sturdy and connected to the ground. And I would want to stand on it and I'd almost like try to get all my weight grounded right into my feet and to that rock. I want you to have that kind of picture in mind as you think about what Paul is saying here. He's saying, stand firm. All these things are gonna come up against you. You stand firm. So you have your Bibles open. We're gonna look specifically 
at what Paul tells the people, uh, how he tells them to stand firm. And I just want to read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read kind of the beginning and the end. There's a few places that are confusing here, so stick with me. Maybe you've already read it and you know what I'm talking about. Here we go. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul uses that phrase a lot right here. Jesus Christ is Lord. And our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letters, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sits himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Let's skip down to verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, commending us. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That's from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me mention three ways that God has called us to stand firm that we see in this text. The first is stand firm when you don't understand. There's things in life that we certainly don't understand. Stand firm. There are things that are really confusing even in this passage. Who is the man of lawlessness and what is this evil that's going to happen and when did it happen? Stand firm. The, the text says don't become easily unsettled or alarmed. It it's sad that sometimes Christians become really unsettled and alarmed when something happens and they say, see, now we know for sure that the world's going to end. This is exactly what the Bible was talking about. And now everything is falling apart. and It's going to be worse and run to the hills and everybody hide and it's all over and we're not going to last another week. Well, that's not just being urgent and being ready. That's being paranoid. And there's a difference. And Paul's saying, hey, then don't become all easily unsettled and alarmed about everything that comes along. But I gotta admit, that passage is tough. Who is the man of lawlessness and what is gonna happen? Well, let me help you think about that for just a moment. Uh, I brought my favorite telescope. It really helps me see the stars really well. As you can see, I don't really have a telescope, but just pretend with me. When when we read the Bible, especially when we read kind of these, these sections of the Bible that are prophetic, they're talking about something in kind of mysterious language that we can't quite understand, it's helpful to think about a telescope. If you were to look through a telescope, you might see something way out there. You, you think about seeing something, you know, a long ways away, maybe even looking on the moon for what you can see. But when we read these scriptures, sometimes Paul, as he's writing, he's writing about something way far out there, but he's also got the other eye open 
and he's seeing some stuff right here too. Did you know that shortly after Paul wrote this, AD 70, Jerusalem was uh, taken by the Romans. Many people were killed and destruction happened and <clears throat> it was a very terrible, awful time for God's people. And, and so Paul, was he thinking that's what he was talking about and this man of lawlessness who had set himself up and claimed to be God? The Roman emperor certainly did that. Or was he thinking about just in general the persecution that was all around them? Or was he thinking about the final battle when Jesus will be victorious? If I had to get my best guess as to what these verses mean, as I, I would say, yeah, I think he's thinking about all of them. I think he's thinking about something way far out there and also maybe some things that are nearby. Because has evil always been happening, even when Paul was writing? Yeah. Could the people who were persecuted in those days have even imagined something worse than seeing maybe their own best friend being killed for their faith? That'd be pretty hard to imagine. So evil has always existed. And sometimes it seemed worse, and maybe sometimes not quite so much. But regardless of all of that, Paul is saying, stand firm. And so when we read the Bible, we need to realize it was written to real people in real time, things were happening, but it's for all of us. We can all learn from it. And so what do we learn from this passage? Stand firm even when you don't understand. Do we know when Jesus is going to return? No. Do we know he's going to return? Yeah. So we stand firm even when we don't understand. Second, we stand firm against evil and false teaching. Because it, it says here, don't let anyone deceive you. Are there some people trying to deceive us still today? Sure. Is there false teaching? Are there people saying wrong things about the Bible today? Yeah. And Paul here isn't talking about something that's not really important. Paul is talking about the really important things of the Bible. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died and he rose again and he's going to return. And, and so Paul's saying don't fall for false teaching that says, hey, Jesus has already returned and you missed it. Or what some people were saying was Jesus isn't really a son of God. He was just a person. There's lots of that false teaching and we need to be aware of that. And so we need to stand firm against evil and false teaching. There will be temptations. There will be evil. There will be bad thoughts. And God says, stand firm. You plant your feet so that the water doesn't wash you away. Last thing, number three, stand firm because there is hope. I read a story about a young woman who had been diagnosed with a disease uh, and the doctor said, you're just gonna live maybe two or three more months and that's gonna be all. And so she began to get her life in order and things in order and she called over uh, the preacher from her church so that they could arrange her funeral. She wanted to help him think it through and as they were thinking about some of the normal things to include and talk about and share some of her favorite scriptures and favorite songs that she wanted them to sing, uh, she also said, oh, and uh, I would like you to bury me with this. I said, well, you want to be buried with a fork? She said, yeah, I do. Just 
right in the casket with me. So when the people walk by that day in the church building, they'll, they'll see me holding a fork. And there's a lot of kind of goofy things that can come through your mind at this point. And the preacher just said, well, why? Can you mind explaining this? And she said, yeah. She said, I, I've attended lots of lunches and dinners in my life. And um, there's a, a saying that I've heard a lot of times. And everybody would be eating at this big gathering. And you would eat and they would start to clear the plates. But sometimes... The, the people hosting the dinner party would say, hold on to your fork. You know why you hold on to your fork even though they take your plate? Because they're gonna bring you another plate and what's gonna be on it? Dessert. So hold on to your fork because you're gonna need that fork for your apple pie. You're gonna, you're gonna want that for the cobbler. You're gonna want that for the chocolate cake. Hold on to your fork. She said to the preacher, people are going to ask you the same question you asked me. They're going to say, why does she have this fork? And I want you to tell them this. You tell them this little story about how you hold on to your fork when dessert is coming. And then you let them know that I wanted to remind them that something better is coming. Something better than the salad, something better than the green beans, Something even better than the pork chop. Something better is coming. Of course, she's not talking about just eating. She's talking about life. We have this life and there's many good things in this life. There's love and there's laughter and there's work that can be done. There's many good things. But something better is coming. Because there's also many difficult things in this life. There's death. Highland Park mourned the loss of family members for several church family people this past week. Highland Park has mourned the loss of several of its members losing jobs in the last few months. Highland Park has, has mourned some of the, the poverty and hunger issues in our own neighborhoods. And we've mourned the injustices in our world. And I would remind you that the, the best is yet to come. Better things are coming. Jesus is going to return, and it will be perfect. So for now, stand firm. And we want to encourage you to challenge your friends and to challenge your family, to challenge your neighbors, to, to stand firm that it may be a difficult time, stand firm, that God loves them and cares for them and you want to help them, so stand firm. And maybe they've never followed Jesus. And you say, I want to invite you to a place where you can stand firm, where you can be with God who is always faithful and always loving so you can stand firm with him. And maybe to believers who are so anxious and worried right now, maybe they need a reminder, stand firm. Maybe you need that challenge from God. Stand firm. God is always in the process of trying to help us stand firm and to grow in our faith. So we are even steadier, not because we are so much better, but because our faith is stronger in the Lord. And he is always dependable. You know, the, the main figure in this 
in this chapter is not some man of lawlessness. It's not some believer who's confused. It's not some false teacher. Who is it? Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over, we keep saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. He loves us. And he's calling us to grow. And to grow means that we don't just learn about him, but we let him change us. My friend Richard Hodges spent last week on the Appalachian Trail, just him in a 40-pound backpack. And uh, he did a lot of reading of his Bible and thinking and praying. And one of the things that he wrote down in his journal one night was this. If you aren't becoming like Jesus, reflecting his character and priorities, you aren't really following Jesus. Following Jesus is more than being decided. It's about being discipled. Did you catch that? Following Jesus is more than just being decided. It's about being discipled. Luke 6.40 says, Everyone, when he is fully trained and discipled, will be like his teacher. So we want God to challenge us, to grow us, and we will follow him wherever he goes. We want to listen to his challenges, and we want to let you know that if you want to respond because you have not been standing firm, and you need to hear God's words to you, or maybe you've never stood with God at all, then we would love you to hit that request prayer button, or, or the little button that comes up that says, I'd like to follow Jesus, or request prayer in any way. We'd be glad to visit with you and talk with you, even in these next few moments. You're always welcome to email or call the church office, um, or maybe to talk to a friend who knows the Lord. We would encourage you to do that. And maybe if you've been slipping, you need to just repent. Maybe right now in the chat section, you seem to say, I'm sorry that I've been slipping and pray for me to stand firm. And we will pray with you even in these moments. Publicly, that's a beautiful thing to do. So you're welcome to do that as well right now. We invite you to stand firm because Jesus is worth standing with and standing on his promises. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us so much that you challenge us. It's like a good parent, good coach, good teacher, a good boss. You not only encourage us when we're doing well, but you challenge us when we need to do better. And so we pray that we can stand firm. We can hear your challenge to not slip away. And we pray for anybody who has never stood with you that today could be the moment that they would take these steps, uh, that they would, they would say yes to you, and they would not only decide to follow you, but they would follow you with their, their whole lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.